the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have a couple of extractions to start with here on this week's episode of the Paracast. Specifically, every time I hear a story about this, I wonder why E.T. doesn't help us solve the problem of using such ancient, draconian, primitive methods at dental care. So we have J. Randall Murphy here, but his mouth is only partly here. What happened to you? I can't go into much detail here, but you're absolutely right. Let's just say, yeah, it's true. They still use some kind of pair of pliers when they're doing an extraction to yank things out. So, yeah, I had a wisdom tooth removed. Well, I hope it hasn't lowered your IQ much. No, I'm glad I finally got it done. And this COVID-19 thing led up enough to let my dentist back to work. So what did you do? He had a six foot long plier. Let's just not go into too much detail on that. We've got more important things to do here, I think. Last week we had Kevin D. Randall, but he wasn't just on for the regular show. He was on for After the Paracast, which is a part, of course, our Paracast Plus service. And there you and Kevin got into a bit of it, a bit of a debate going on. Not quite the legendary debate we had some months back with Tim Beckley and Don Eckert, where the words that flowed from their mouths would never make it on commercial radio. But it was nice to have a friendly back and forth. We always glad to do that. Sure. That was really great with Kevin, but he's also the kind of guy that isn't going to respect you unless you do challenge him a little bit because he's got a military background and he knows what he's talking about. And we got along really well you know, with that point counterpoint anyhow uh i thought and after the end of the show you know we were able to confirm that yeah really good show with kevin randall and kevin puts up with me because we've known each other for 30 years or something but we've got some youngins here they look a lot younger than the guests we had on last week and that is chad lewis and kevin lee nelson and they're the creators of back roads lore so we're going to go into the highways and byways of the U.S., I guess, mostly, guys, to see what weird stuff's going on. Chad, welcome to the Paracast. Tell us what this is all about. Yeah, we put together Backroads Lore because Kevin and I have the same approach to research of the strange, bizarre, and the unusual, of taking the backroads, hitting the mom-and-pop motels, digging up information that's maybe on the darker, more sinister side of folklore, legends, and superstitions. Can you even find Ma and Pa hotels much anymore? That has to be really an endangered species, right? Well, not only is it an endangered species, but you're taking your chances at a lot of them. Many of them are well-kept, they're (laughs) well-maintained, they're great, but others have seen uh, brighter days decades ago. And There have been a couple in our 20 years of traveling the back roads where it's been a little too much for us to stay there. But usually we can put up with quite a bit. But one of the things that got us out of one of our rooms was blood on the wall. When we went into the bathroom area, there was blood on the wall. We checked out of that one pretty quickly. But usually we can put up with a lot. Well, thank goodness it wasn't little tiny things crawling. Yes, or our blood, for that matter. 
All it's right. not a good sign. Let's put it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, uh, I can see that. Kevin Nelson, how did you and Chad hook up for this quest? Uh, that's a great question. You know, I, I, I second guess if that was a wise choice all the time, but here we are, twenty some years later. I think when I first met Chad, it was it was at a ghost conference up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Chad was presenting. And after the his presentation, we kind of hung out and just kind of hit it off really well. Like like Chad alluded to earlier, our philosophy was fairly aligned together. We kind of had the same ideas, same outlook, not identical, I would say. But over the years, we've both grown quite a bit as, as far as uh, the experiences that we've had and just our general outlook on what exactly the paranormal is or isn't and how that aligns to things like folklore and all that. And so for the last 20 years, uh, we've just been kind of hitting the roads, like Chad said, and exploring different legends and trying to record a lot of these things before they're gone. You know, because a lot of these legends and, and folklore, sometimes, you know, within a generation, if they're not told or written down or somehow recorded, you know, they just vanish. Do you guys have regular day jobs or is this it? This is what you do full time. Uh, speaking for me, it's uh, my second job. I do work for a technology management software company, which is perfect because I do a lot of travel for that. And when I travel, I'm able to look at different legends all around the country. And I'm on the road about 75, 80% of the time, I would say. I mean, certainly not during this our current pandemic, but uh, in normal times, I would typically be on the road. So Usually when I know that I'm going to be somewhere, I research urban legends in that area that I'm going to be and I'll line up interviews if I need to and kind of get a game plan so that when I've actually finished my, my job for the day, I've got some time to go check out some legends and do some research on the side. I've spent the last 20 years traveling the road. Normally, I do about 200 lectures a year on the supernatural and superstitions, folklore, and the like. But now that things are so weird, it's been a nice little break to finally give that gas pedal a break and get in off the dusty back roads and actually get some uh, research uh, going and some writing that is a little bit more difficult when you're hopping from place to place on the road. What got you guys interested? You can have a combined answer or separate ones. What got both of you guys interested in chasing after monsters and ghosts and other stuff? Well, in, I, go ahead, Kevin. In, in my in my case, uh, you know, it's always one of those things that's always been there since childhood. You know, I've always had a, a, a fascination with mysteries, uh, with you know, monsters and ghosts and, and haunted locations, things like that, you know. And, you know, I, I can't really point to a certain time where it began. I know that there's some researchers, you know, that had this this sort of almost traumatic moment in their life, you know, where things kind of changed for them and then it became an obsession. But in, in my case, it's just kind of always been there. Uh, uh, one example is uh, in fourth grade, we had to do a, a talk in front of the class. You know, it's one of those those early presentation type things that you do in elementary school. You know, and whereas most kids were doing a demonstration on how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, the topic that I chose was how to do a seance. 
It kind of sounds like maybe we'll give the ghosts and monsters a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> exactly. I know that didn't sound very good, but now the thing about all this folklore and stuff, and I'll ask both of you to give answers as we kind of explore some of the unusual events. Do we find at all that sometimes it's just the locality trying to bring in some tourist traffic? So they put together some stories about ghosts or some kind of monster so that people come out and they go to the Mon Pa Hotel or whatever it is, or to the Holiday Inn if there's no Mon Pa Hotel left, and they go try to figure out what's going on this way it brings in the traffic. I kind of sort of think, and we can debate that, that a lot of what's left with Roswell, New Mexico, is tourism because it's at a point here where we're probably never going to find out what really happened there unless there's some secret information that comes to pass. And no, folks, this is not going to be another Roswell discussion. We had that last week with Kevin Randall, and it's an area that I do not wish to visit this week, and I'm sure most of you will agree. We have Chad Lewis and Kevin Lee Nelson. They're creators of Backroads Lore. And my question was basically, do we find any of this done by the localities strictly to bring in some tourist traffic? More to come with Gene and Randall. You're in. The Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So, you're wearing a mask every day now? Yeah. Where are you getting them? Same website where I get my neck and body wraps, sunnybay.com. Really? And they're handmade, just like their wraps in the USA. Oh, and good quality? Oh, very good. These are disposable face masks, and they make cloth face masks, too. Good price? (laughs) That's the best part. Ten masks for only $6. Wow. As a public service, SunnyBay.com is now making cloth face masks by hand in the Seattle area and sourcing disposable face masks with level one protection at SunnyBay.com. Get a 10-pack of high-quality disposable face masks for only $6 or choose a handmade, washable, reusable cloth face mask with high two layers of quality cotton fabrics. Supplies are limited. Get details and order at SunnyBay.com, a Biomed DB design company. Go to Sunny-Bay.com for disposable or cloth face masks. Just click Sunny-Bay.com. That's Sunny-Bay.com. Has your body ever gone low blood sugar feeling weak, shaky, knowing you better eat something fast? 
We all know high blood sugar can lead to many metabolic problems. At GCNteam.com, we have a healthy blood sugar pack, focusing on the structure and function of stable blood sugar. Find us at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Nothing feels worse than unstable blood sugar. Call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid mobile survival bug outhouse that's well-equipped and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement, you bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So Randall's mouth works despite the efforts, the best efforts by his dentist with a six-foot-long set of pliers to accomplish his feat of... Ledger Domain. Anyway, guys, glad to have you on the show this week and happy to mostly get away from UFOs for a while. And so in your various backroads explorations, either one of you can chime in. Do you see situations here or maybe a locality really just wants to goose the tourist traffic rather than deal with something that's weird? Yeah, I think a lot of communities, whether or not they believe in their legend They're really coming around to the fact of promoting their town history because it's something unique. In an age when we can go to any city and see the same businesses, the same hotels, the same restaurants, everything seems the same. I think more and more communities are starting to promote their uniqueness, even if that is a legend of a monster, a sea serpent, a UFO sighting or what be it. I think Years ago, places were more hesitant to get into that because they didn't want to be seen as believers. There's a lot of places like in Van Meter, Iowa, they have a visitor festival celebrating a giant nine foot bat like creature that was spotted in 1903. And a lot of the people on the committee are skeptics. They don't believe it ever happened, but they're interested in the legend, the the belief of it, the folklore of it. And playing that up. And of course, you know, tourist dollars never hurt in this day and age. 
So when you do this traveling around the highways and byways of the country, and I assume a major focus on the on the Midwest here, do you have equipment set up or you, do you just use a RV or what? This, this is Kevin. Typically, we do it either together or also independently as well. Most of the time, I just do it from my car. I just, you know, drive around and hit some of these lo- locations. Uh, we do a lot of camping on the side, too. Uh, some of the locations that we go to can get fairly remote. You know, we don't let that get in our way. Like Chad said, a lot of these locations are starting to warm up to the idea of celebrating their local legends and folklore. Whereas in the past, you know, they, they might have wanted to brush it under the carpet, you know, being afraid of looked at as backwards or something. But now it's one of those things that really differentiates them from the rest of the country. And Kevin, I want to ask you about this, and that is werewolves. We all love werewolves. Okay, now I'm old enough, I wasn't around when these films came out, to have remembered the Werewolf of London, not a song, but the original movie from the 30s, I wasn't born then, and The Wolfman with Lon Chaney Jr. We love werewolves. And, of course, we've explored this in the past, is there such a thing as a werewolf? Or if there's anything like that, it's just somebody who's got some kind of emotional problem with two personalities or more. You want to hit this one, Kevin? Oh, sure. So, yeah, we've looked into quite a bit of werewolf lore. Uh, Chad and I are both from Wisconsin. And Wisconsin is generally seen as one of the werewolf hotspots of the nation. Uh, just down the road from where we live, is a place called Bray Road. It's about a 40, 45-minute drive uh, from where Chad and I are. And, of course, that's somewhat infamous as the the location or the habitat of the Beast of Bray Road, which some people describe as a werewolf or a, a dogman-like creature. And the sightings go back all the way to the 20s and perhaps even beyond if you include Native American lore. So... Now, what, what exactly are people seeing? Um, you know, it could be a number of things. Some, some of them could be misidentification of normal animals. Um, people have speculated that some of these things that they're seeing are uh, spiritual protectors of native burying, burial grounds. So it's, I think a lot of it really comes down to the, the personal background and philosophy of, of the witness. You know, skeptics are going to be, of course, more inclined to believe that it's, you know, it's a large dog or it's a bear or something like that. Um, whereas someone who's a bit more metaphysically inclined might think it's something else. Are you dealing with something here that people are actually seeing now? Certainly. A lot of witnesses who contact me claim that they've seen something usually on the side of the road when they're driving, sometimes at night, but not always. And at first glance, they slow down thinking it might be a known animal in the area. They don't want to hit it, damage their vehicle or roadkill. But then they start reporting that it seems to be the size of a big bear, but a shape more like a wolf. It has that long snout and the muzzle and this deep, dark, matted down fur But a lot of witnesses were more afraid by the fact that they claimed it was a biped, either running or walking up on its hind legs like you and I do. And the most fascinating part for me talking and interviewing with these witnesses is the fact that many of them, even though they're in the safety of their vehicle, 
sometimes in a very large SUV, many of them have the feeling that if they don't get out of the area right away, this thing is going to harm or kill them. And usually when they speed home and they get home and they calm down, they're a little shy and embarrassed about how frightened they had become. But it really was a moment of terror while they were there as though these things, whether it's reports of werewolves or hellhounds or other mysterious cryptids, almost project this fear about them. And it's an irrational fear. Obviously, you could just drive away and be fine. But yet these people feel that their life is in danger. In a kind of a premonitory sense, almost, I've, I've felt that out in the forest and in driving some. And I, I grow, grew up out in B.C., so I know exactly what you're talking about. It can, it, it's a really weird feeling. And, and now we're getting right into your book here, right, when you're talking about this book, Wendigo Lore, Monsters, Myths, and Madness. And so maybe what we ought to do is um, get right into what we're talking about here with Wendigo, a mythological creature, evil spirit from the folklore of the First Nations, Algonquin tribes based in the northern forests of Nova Scotia, the east coast of Canada, Great Lakes region of Canada, and in the United States. This is what it, that's your basic thing. So my first question is then, like, which one is it? Is it a mythological creature or is it an evil spirit? Or can it be either or or both at the same time? That's that's a great question, and that's the first question that we ran into, or I guess problem that we ran into when we wrote the book. Um, when we started looking into the legend of the Wendigo, we found that it wasn't just one thing. You know, it wasn't just something as simple as like a vampire or something as simple as Bigfoot, because the different stories had had so much variation in them. Sometimes it was more like a spirit. Sometimes it was a, a definite human that had gone kind of mad and, and turned cannibal. And then in other cases, it was this sort of giant creature, almost like a Northwoods ogre of sorts, that, that would hunt people down and, and destroy entire villages. And We're so, going to talk about the Wendigo lore and more. Chad and Kevin and Gene and Randall, you're in the Paracast. for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. With more people listening to radio than visit Google, Facebook, or YouTube, from the very young to the very old, everyone listens to radio. Pillow companies, alarm, identity theft, nutrition, insurance, banking, automotive, the list goes on and on. Billion-dollar businesses. Why? The answer is radio. The media everyone tunes into. Find out how effective and affordable radio can be for your business. Contact 877-996-4327 or advertise at GCNlive.com. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. 
USA Radio News with Wendy King. Two, one, zero. NASA astronauts Bob Behnken and Doug Hurley have made it safely into orbit in the Crew Dragon. SpaceX is now the first privately owned company to fly humans to the International Space Station. On behalf of the entire launch team, thanks for flying with Falcon 9 today. We hope you enjoyed the ride and wish you a great mission. Thanks, Bala. Congratulations to you and the F-9 team for the first uh, human ride for Falcon 9. In Minneapolis... Protests continue over the killing of George Floyd while in police custody. In Oakland, California, a federal security officer was killed during a demonstration. A second officer was also injured in a shooting outside the federal courthouse. This is USA Radio News. The Minnesota National Guard is being mobilized after another night of chaos and violence. Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry says innocent people as well as many businesses are being harmed. Our Minneapolis residents are scared and rightfully so. We've seen long-term institutional businesses overridden. We've seen community institutions set on fire. And I want to be very, very clear. The people that are doing this are not Minneapolis residents. Iowa Republican Congressman Steve King is fighting for his political life in next Tuesday's primary. King was rebuked by the House Republican leadership and stripped of his committee assignments in January of last year after remarks he made that were deemed racist. King, who has served eight terms in Congress, earlier said he would get back his committee posts if re-elected. But House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy says he never made those assurances. You're listening to USA Radio News. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Go to GCNteam.com or call 855-GCN-MALL. That's 855-426-6255. GCNteam.com or 855-426-6255. Lose weight and look great with ASAP as slim as possible. This is Big the Merciless. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, exactly according to my plan. So we're talking here about the legend of the Wendigo. I'm looking at the picture in the book here. Wendigo lore, monsters, myths, and madness. And this is the kind of monster you see in movies sometimes where somebody suddenly changes or you see them in a mirror and they become this horrible monster but tell us more about the legend or the reality guys so when we were doing the research for this book part of the difficult part of it was just determining what exactly a wendigo is and this this book ended up being a research project that spanned well over a decade because it's just such a complex issue the more that we researched it, we, re- we started to realize that what a Wendigo is, it's not any one of these 
three things. It's not just a spirit. It's not just a person that's gone cannibal and lost their mind. And it's not just this sort of Northwoods monster that lurks up in the pines. Instead, it's kind of all three. And so we started to look at it as more of a process than a static phenomena. So the, one of the analogies that I give in the book is, you know, a caterpillar and a butterfly are two very distinct things, but they're still essentially the same organism in different stages of its life cycle. As we were doing research on this, we found that there was sort of like a, a progression of how this thing works. And so according to Native belief, the Wendigo spirit it's one of the original spirits in, in Cree and Ojibwe lore. They believe that this spirit can inhabit someone, sort of like possession, and it does it when you've become spiritually weakened. And it's sort of like a spiritual sickness. Oftentimes, this is brought about through starvation. You know, if it's a particularly hard winter, if food is scarce, people are in a very weakened state, both physically and spiritually, and then the spirit can invade a person. That implies also that maybe, to be slightly skeptical, that can create the climate for delusions because of the fact that they're physically debilitated. Absolutely. Um, there is an entire area of psychology that they've looked into this. It's, they call it Wendigo psychosis. And once that person either is or believes to be possessed by this Wendigo spirit, they believe that it drives them to cannibalism. They start looking at their friends and family as, uh, as, as food. You know, when they look at their brother or their child, they, they don't see a person. They see, you know, uh, game food, basically, you know, like deer or raccoon or, or whatever it is that they typically would hunt. And then once it's believed that once they eat human flesh, that it's an irreversible process. So once, once they've done this, they become the next stage of Wendigo, where they start becoming physically monstrous. They start physically changing. They become hideous. They become very strong. There's all kinds of documented cases of, of people that have been had to be tied down, and it's taken many, many people to keep them tied down, and they make sounds that typically a human couldn't do. And it's believed that once... Once they become this full monster, which would be a, sort of like the late stage Wendigo, that they become so dangerous that they can destroy an entire village. Uh, there's some real parallels there with um, exorcisms and such. Chad, give us an example. Have you, have you got a story that you guys can share, just like one of the ones out of your book? Just go through one of them and tell us what it's like to hear one of these stories. Yes. So if any of your listeners have ever even heard Wendigo, which is perhaps the oldest North American legend out there, yet one of the most unknown, they probably are at least somewhat familiar with the case of Swift Runner. And Swift Runner was a Cree uh, First Nation man up in uh, Alberta, Canada, in the Edmonton area, north of Edmonton. In his land. And during the winter of 1878 and 1879, he split with his family. Many of the tribes would gather in the summer in large groups. And then in the winter, they would 
break off in their family pods and split up to split up the game area. There wouldn't be enough food to sustain 200 people in one area. So Swift Runner went out with his brother and his mother and his wife and six children. And eventually things got rough in the winter. Food became scarce. Swift Runner became angry and he started manifesting these signs of delusional behavior. He started to see his family as beaver and game animals. And he ended up through the course of the winter killing all of his children and his wife and not only killing them, but eating their flesh as well. To the point where he said after the last children was killed, last child was killed, that he had fully gone Windigo, that the Windigo had taken possession of his spirit. So Swift Runner comes into town the following spring, telling the people in the area a heartbreaking tale of his family starving to death out in the deep, heavily forest of Alberta, Canada. But they noticed right away that Swift Runner didn't look like he had just weathered a winter of starvation. He was big, over six feet, three inches tall, over 200 pounds. He looked healthier than ever when he came in. So they had him guide them back to his winter quarters. And that's when the authorities saw this scattered graveyard. They found bones and skulls everywhere. Many of the bones were cracked open with the marrow drained out of them from Swift Runner trying to survive. And eventually Swift Runner was brought to the fort in Edmonton there, and he was tried and convicted and sentenced to hang at the gallows. Wow. Okay. I asked for a story and <laughs> we got one. Uh, yeah, that's pretty gruesome. When, of course, the Wendigo, that's not the only spirit that is out there. there. There's other ones as well. And you guys were, I think you said this was Algonquin. And some years ago, I had a really bizarre experience out in, in uh, Glacier National Park. And I got talking to a, a friend of mine I was working with, and he said, you know, uh, this um, church person he knew says it, that it sounded a lot like what he called the Manitou, which is like the Algonquin fundamental life force nature spirit thing. So they've got lots of these beliefs. Did you run across any other um, weird beliefs or creatures when you were looking into the winged dingo as well? Yes. Uh, the short answer, it definitely. So when we were doing this book, we came across a lot of similar creatures to the Wendigo because keep in mind this, this legend spans almost an entire continent. And so as you go from tribe to tribe, they have different names for similar phenomena or similar creatures. And so in the book, you know, we, we, we call it Wendigo lore because that's by far the most common term that's used but as you go towards the East Coast, you see uh, a word uh, known as the Chinu. It's a, a creature called the Chinu. And that's more of a Micmac legend, but it's very, very similar to the Wendigo. And then just south of there, you have a creature that they refer to as the Stonecoats. And again, they're, they're these icy cannibal giants, just like the Wendigo, only they believe that they have this uh, stony skin that makes them impenetrable from arrows and bullets. And in, uh, there's also some other creatures, too, that are more spirit-like. One of the ones that we talk about in the book 
is a creature that called a, a pacock or another another tribe name for it is baycock and what that is is it's sort of like a ghost of a hunter so a lot of times if a hunter is lost out in the wilderness and dies of exposure they will turn into one of these uh pacocks and what they do is it's sort of like a flying ghost that has a bow and arrow or sometimes a tomahawk and they will hunt people down out in the woods that become lost to my flying ghosts here folks so it's going to get even stranger as we proceed with Gene and Randley in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. If you go to store.theparacast.com, stop by and take a shopping tour. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Houseflies defecate every four to five minutes. Spreading diseases and germs. Protect your food and your health with Bug Assault. A miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic. No batteries required. Only $39.95. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Fire your fly swatter. Get your Bug Assault today. In today's world, violent crime can victimize anyone, anytime. When violent crime confronts you, will you be able to protect yourself and your loved ones? For personal protection training, there's none better than FrontSight, the world's premier firearms training facility near Las Vegas, Nevada. Learn firearm skills from FrontSight's world-class instructors, led by FrontSight's founder and director, Dr. Ignatius Piazza. Whether you're in law enforcement, the military, or a private citizen, after your first firearm training course at FrontSight, you'll leave with skills that surpass 99% of the gun-owning population, guaranteed. And now, you and your family can train at FrontSight 
free of charge. Yes, free. Go now to frontsite.com slash radio to secure a $2,000 four-day defensive handgun course. Absolutely free with no catch. Enter F-R-O-N-T-S-I-G-H-T dot com slash radio. Act now before these free courses are all taken. Secure your free four-day course at frontsite.com slash radio. Frontsite, America's gun training destination. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. 800 503 Hi, this is Joshua P. Warren, author of The Poor Man's Paranormal. And you're listening to The Paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio. Ghosts, monsters, other strange stuff going on with Chad Lewis and Kevin Lee Nelson looking at the mystery of the Wendigo in its various and sundry forms. Who wants to pick up on the conversation, guys? Uh, well, I can finish uh, just about the the legend of the, the Pacock, which is a, a flying ghost that they believe uh, hunts people that become lost out in the wilderness. And the, the main difference between the, the Pacock, which is associated with ice, just like the Wendigo is, is it's also seen as something that can be reasoned with or appeased. So sometimes they will offer offerings to this, this hunter ghost. And if it accepts them, it will uh, grant them a good hunt or um, good weather, things like that, or or just leave them alone, <laughs> which is what tip, people typically want. Uh, whereas the Wendigo is something that can't be bargained with; it it can't be reasoned with. It's it's seen as almost like this elemental force, you know, this force of nature or or juggernaut that just moves through the woods and and only eats and only destroys. Uh, yeah, that sounds a lot like a you know a land shark, like something that just it's just what it is and what it does. Uh, uh, for a question for for both of you guys, actually, I find it really interesting that you didn't just say compile a bunch of various stories out of other people's um, books or magazines and stuff, but you actually went out to these quite a number of places and you must have actually talked to people in person can you tell us a bit about some of the most interesting people that you talked to to get your stories from so much of today's folklore and research is done by computer from people who never get into the field and research and that's fine if that's the way you'd like to do it that's great everybody has their own uh, way of approaching this subject and, and i don't think one's right and one's wrong but for me 
I have to be there uh, seeing where people are experiencing this thing, talking to the locals, getting a feel of the legend, because that's where the stories exist. That's where they morph. That's where they shift and progress over the years. And one thing about the Wendigo that is unlike a lot of other legends is that a lot of people are hesitant or simply refuse to talk about it because they believe that merely mentioning the name of the creature or talking about it is enough to put you on its radar. That when you go looking for the weird, the weird will come looking for you. So they don't even want to mention it by name. I was giving a lecture in northern Minnesota uh, near a reservation land and some of the tribal elders came up to me before the program which was on mysterious creatures of Minnesota and they said we heard you're going to talk about a local creature here we would prefer that you do not talk about it while here and they wouldn't mention the name of course I knew exactly that it was the Wendigo but I told them obviously I'd leave it out no problem whatsoever and immediately you could see the facial expression lighten on all of their faces that they were truly terrified that somebody was going to mention the creature and awaken it and have it come after them. That was one of the hardships of talking to witnesses is that many people whether they're First Nation, Native or not really were hesitant to talk about this because of the fear that the creature could cause them damage. How did you guys get these people to open up then and talk to you guys? I think one of the things that we did was to show our sincere interest in the creature, in the folklore, and that we were going to take it in a serious tone. We weren't simply out there looking to explain this as a primitive belief by you know savages like the newspapers from the 18 and early 1900s did that we were taking this as a serious legend and we would give it the respect and the dignity that the legend needs or at least that people want to explore this so i think they would open up a little bit and seeing our sincere interest in the legend but also just by doing it year after year, gaining that trust, building those relationships. We interviewed one gentleman in Canada that had a uh, he was First Nation and he had an experience with his family. And we corresponded with him, went to Canada, interviewed him. And over the years, he ended up turning us on to his brother in the United States, who also had an experience on a different location. So it was gaining that trust that allowed us to then find another witness. So it's a very slow process, and at some times, it's very difficult. When we were doing the Windigo book, we reached out to every tribe in Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, the Great Lakes area, looking for any of their thoughts on the belief and legend within their communities, and not one single reply came back willing to do it. That just tells that you need this personal approach. Email, a telephone call out of the blue is not going to do it. You have to be there on location, gaining the belief that you're there for the right reasons, because that plays a big effect in whether or not people will talk to you. So these people don't all just look at it as a local superstition. They take it pretty seriously and believe that their people have had genuine experiences. That's really interesting. 
Well, one of the things that we also encountered too is native people are are just like anyone else as far as you know they they have a a whole spectrum of of opinions on things, and you know what we would find is you know they don't have just one monolithic belief either this way or that. You know, there's some people that that believe that this is a very real thing, uh, but perhaps spiritual. There's other people that believe that it's a very real thing, as in a flesh and blood type creature that's that's out there in the woods. And then there's others that you know ha- believe that it's just really interesting folklore and part of their history, and some that don't believe it at all. You know, so we 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 encountered a lot of people that had varying opinions on this topic. It sounds like the creature that you're talking about. Uh, could be uh, how related is it to something like the Bigfoot or the Yeti or are they kind of the same creature, but just talked about differently between different nations in different parts of the country or world? I certainly can. So if you look at the original lore of the Wendigo and I'm, and when I, when I say original, I'm talking, you know, 1700s, 1800s, all of that, points to something that's specifically more spiritual and monstrous in nature. Um, it's described as very big, often sometimes much, much bigger than any Bigfoot has ever been reported. You know, we're, they describe sometimes as these things being taller than the trees, because uh, the belief is, is that the more they eat, the larger they become and the more dangerous and powerful they become. So the bigger the Wendigo, in theory, the older it is. Um but these things are very thin. They're described as almost skeletal at times and being covered in, in frost. They, the, one of the trademarks of a Wendigo is that its heart is encased in ice. Uh, whereas they're not really described as hairy all the time, like a Bigfoot typically would be. However, when you start looking at, at more 20th century sightings and things like that, and especially later 20th century, that's where things start to become a, a bit more intermingled. You know, people that maybe don't completely understand the history of what a Wendigo is start uh, mixing it in with, with Bigfoot lore. And we, we found all kinds of articles around the turn of the century where pretty much anyone that was seeing anything strange in the woods was calling it a Wendigo because people just didn't really know what it was. They'd heard the word, you know, they'd heard the term that it was something kind of strange and unnatural. And so anything that was bizarre that, that was seen in the woods that wasn't a normal animal was oftentimes just called a Wendigo. Sounds right. to me like an excuse then for not having another word for it. Yeah, I, I think so. And this is primarily on the part of uh, European settlers that were, were moving into the area. Um, there was one incident that we record in the book where this four-legged creature was attacking this guy's cattle and it was he knew it wasn't a wolf he knew it wasn't a coyote he, he was familiar with those this thing was much bigger much stranger looking and he referred to it as a wendigo and even a, a first nation person that they they asked about it also called it a wendigo even though it was, it was much more wolf or dog-like in in its description and they, there was two of them. They shot it and killed both of them. And they were describing how they had never seen anything that had a pelt like that before. We'll get back with more Wendigo lore. Did they really shoot him down? More to come with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. 
listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. If you have diabetes and you're on Medicare, Medicaid, or have private insurance, you may qualify for a new continuous glucose monitor. Managing your diabetes is crucial to your health. The new CGM can automatically and easily help you manage your diabetes more effectively. And by using a CGM, you can eliminate the one thing most people with diabetes dislike the most, finger sticks. Now you can automatically manage your diabetes and end the painful finger sticks. Solara Medical Supplies makes it simple for you to have a new CGM. We'll do all the insurance paperwork for you and deliver the newest in diabetic care technology right to your door. Take charge of your diabetes today with the help of a new continuous glucose monitor. Call now to learn more. 800-547-5331. 800-547-5331. That's 800-547-5331. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So they shot a couple of these. Where are the bodies? That that's, would be great to find that out. They, we know that they skinned them, and they, were, they said that they were going to send off the skins for identification. Whether that happened or, or not, the article doesn't uh, include that. These are people that you know lived on the range, lived in the woods. They knew what most normal animals that lived there looked like and, and how they behaved. And they described these things as being unlike anything that they'd ever seen before. But it is strange that they're de- they were definitely four-legged creatures, uh, at least on the uh, the part of the people that were involved in this article, they called it a Wendigo, but that was just kind of this term that was being used to describe sort of this Northwoods boogeyman or any kind of monster that was out there that that couldn't be easily described. As you start to go south, then you start to move into the Chupacabra territory where you get this weird kind of thing uh, often on four legs. It is, It seems to morph around depending on your geography. And, and it seems like we're dealing with different creatures as well, and yet with a lot of parallels involved. 
That's exactly right. Your, your chupacabra example is perfect because, you know, when chupacabras first started, you know, arriving on the scene and people were first hearing about them, they were definitely these kind of upright, maybe kind of lurch forward little creatures. And as time went on, suddenly chupacabras became these sort of blue coyotes with no hair, you know, that were like these, these mange uh, stricken canids. Exactly. You know, these things kind of change. People hear the term chupacabra or they hear the term wendigo. And since they don't completely understand what it is, the next time that they see something strange in the in the area that these things are supposed to live, you know, they say, oh, well, that must be that. It must be a chupacabra. Right. With UFOs, people will see something in the sky and say, oh, look, there's a UFO. And it's just a vague light off in the distance. And then another person will say the word UFO because they're referring to something that, you know, looks like a flying saucer. And so it just becomes a convenience term to some people, unless it's you guys who have gone into this in some detail to figure out the differences, which I'm finding really, really interesting here. Yeah, I agree. And what's interesting about the the Wendigo was the, the fear of the creature was unlike any other creature out there that, Merely mentioning the name that it was in the vicinity would cause people to pack up their entire area and move until the creature was gone. Even if they never saw it, they never heard it. Just the fear that it was arriving was enough for people to scatter and come back, even to the point that many people would stay in their encampment whether it was uh, their lodging, even in the winter, and they would starve to death rather than go out and hunt because a Wendigo was in the area. There are many documented cases of people starving to death because they simply refused to get out of their lodging in fear that the Wendigo would get them. They would rather die than to turn Wendigo. Wow. I mean, to think of all the miles of railroad track I walked in, bc in the middle of no place <laughs> where strange things happen uh, i feel lucky to be alive here I, I mean people don't talk about bigfoot this way people talk about bigfoot they want to go out and see one they're they're not packing up to leave so it's this sounds like a very different kind of creature let me tell you a story of a witness that I spoke with. It was way up in northern Minnesota, just uh, south of the Canadian border. And this woman was in her 80s. She was a native of Minnesota. And she talked about that when she was a kid, her father used to tell her and all the other children in the village that if they ever heard a kettle out in the woods, they needed to run home as fast as they could because that meant the Wendigo was banging its kettle and it was coming after them. And she told me that she never heard that kettle, but they listened for it every time they were out playing. And to this very day, she said that that memory stuck with her like her father had told it to her yesterday. And it was 70 plus years later that she told me this story. It's the legend stuck with her. That's how powerful the fear of the Wendigo was and is. People would tell their children not to eat ice because you might turn into a Wendigo. There was a fear of not building a snowman on your property because it might turn in or welcome the Wendigo to your area. And these are beliefs that continue to this very day. 
showing and illustrating the fear that accompanies this legend. A couple of those though, sound kind of like, you know, a parent finding a convenient way to make sure their kids don't stray off too too far in the forest or, or eat bad things on the ground. You know, I mean, it, it could be taken a little bit tongue in cheek as well. I mean, but then there's this super serious side. Like, do you find that there is that sort of thing? You know, you you know, you better be careful or keep the garlic with you or you'll get bitten by Dracula kind of thing. Tongue in cheek. But then there's this serious side, too. Like, do, do you find both? Or is it always just serious? Like, don't even say the word Wendigo. I would say that most people take it seriously. I mean, there's some people, you know, again, like the the example that Chad gave of the snowman. That's one of those things that's kind of one of those more folkloric things. But you see similar things out with out in the in Pennsylvania with the Pennsylvania Dutch as well. They have a belief at the end of each uh, harvest season that scarecrows must be burned before Halloween night. Otherwise, a spirit will inhabit them and bring them to life, sort of like a like the Gollum legend. Some people kind of look look at these things sideways, but there's other people that that do take them very seriously. Right. That, that, does anybody just have fun with them? I haven't. In my 20 years of exploring the world, looking for this creature and legends of it, I've not encountered anyone that takes it lightly. Um, obviously I'll get some emails from people who believe they've encountered it and, uh, they joke a little bit about it. And obviously media has portrayed it in a different light, whether it's through TV shows or movies and the like, but the overwhelming majority of people that I spoke with and interviewed, they took it pretty seriously, even if they didn't believe in it, even if they were skeptics and did not believe the legend as it's told, they weren't taking any chances. They would tell me, why tempt fate? Maybe it is real, maybe it's not, but I'm not going to take my chances with it. Interesting. Yeah, that's really that's really quite interesting in, indeed. How about uh, another story then from one of these witnesses that you guys say have uh, actually run into one of these creatures in person? Yeah, let me tell you a story of up in Roseau, Minnesota, near War Road, way up by the Canadian border, right along the, the, the line there. And this story dates back to the 1800s when it was called Indian Village there because several hundred Native peoples lived there along with several white pioneer families. And we know the legend began in that area of the Windigo thanks to a pioneer who wrote a journal about his life in the Roseau Valley. And most of it's pretty Pretty boring weather hunting expeditions and the like, but he did talk about several encounters with the Windigo, claiming it was somewhere between eight and fifteen feet tall. It was white skinned or white furred or white clothed, always appeared to be white, and he thought it was nothing more than native superstition. That is until he saw it himself. And the belief in that section of Minnesota was that it was more of a harbinger of death. That if you saw the Windigo or heard it coming, much like hearing the Irish Banshee, it meant you or someone you knew was going to die very shortly. And sure enough, after every sighting of the Windigo, someone within the community passed away. Now, fast forward 100 years, and I spoke with a gentleman in the area that had a sighting when he was a young boy playing baseball with some of his friends out on the back lot into a field into a forest one guy hit the ball out into the forest and this witness ran out to grab it 
And when he grabbed the ball, he looked down at the ball and there was a gigantic foot standing next to it. He looked up and he saw this eight foot, very thin, hideous looking creature staring at him. Before we go on with the hideous creatures, we have announcements that are not hideous. We'll get back with (laughs) Chad and Kevin with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. This is a pandemic survival alert and the most time-sensitive messages you will hear this year. You still have time to plant a one-acre crisis garden and secure a supply of your own nutrient-dense food. But time is running out, and it's one deadline you don't want to miss. Who should plant a crisis garden? Individuals, families, churches, communities, anyone or any group that sees hard times ahead. Let's face it, even the mainline media is talking about food supply disruptions and the growing number of grocery store workers who are becoming sick. But there's more. Meatpack plants are closing, mile-long lines at food pantries, and more farmers now in financial trouble. The truth is, growing nutrient-dense vegetables this summer may be the single most important thing you do. Go to survivalseedbank.com and watch the new video to understand what we're really up against. Get free bonus seeds, special quarantine reports too. Don't wait. Every minute counts. Go to survivalseedbank.com. That's survivalseedbank.com. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full-body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. Bags under the eyes, crow's feet, fine lines and wrinkles are things adults complain about as they age. Now, there's instantly ageless. It works in minutes and is great for men and women. Here's Dr. Sonia Bacha on The Doctors. So this is a product we're going to see if it works. It's called Instantly Ageless and the idea is that it works very quickly as you just need a very small amount and then you apply it to areas where you might be a little bit puffy. I have just looked at what's in this product and one of them is something called Argyroline, which is sort of a darling in dermatology 
dermatology right now. It's a peptide or a protein that actually relaxes the muscle. It's also called Botox in a bottle. The other active ingredient in this is silicates, which are almost act like a clay. They're minerals, and they're making the skin sort of tighter. It's actually increasing the surface tension on the skin to push that herniated fat pad back. Try Instantly Ageless today at GCNLife.com. That's GCNLife.com. 30-day money-back guarantee and preferred price discount at GCNLife.com. House flies defecate every four to five minutes, spreading diseases and germs. Protect your food and your health with Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic, no batteries required, only $39.95. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Fire your fly swatter. Get your bug assault today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. An eight-foot creature. Okay. Very thin, very Very pale, very scary. So he runs back and tells all of his friends. And of course, as a mob gathers, they gather, you know, a lot of bravery comes with that. So they decide they're going to chase this thing, believe it or not. And they start chasing it, but they can't keep up with it, obviously. But what was interesting is it went deeper into the woods. It eventually came out on the other side, which was a prairie. And from a distance, the kids could see it running and kind of stumbling and falling down. Uh, The witness told me it was though somebody was running on stilts that didn't know what they were doing. But it looked like something that wasn't on stilts. And what I found interesting is this witness had no idea, but the original journal articles from the 1800s also reported the Windigo of the Roseau area would stumble around almost as though it was intoxicated or didn't know how to maneuver. It was so big and lanky that it didn't know how to properly walk. So I found that very fascinating. And to this day, the the witness has no idea what it was. But he's terrified of it, uh, you know, 40 years later. Another legend, of course, is the Mothman. Any of these creatures resemble what we would call the Mothman to be? Well, I think that it has some similarities to Mothman, just in the fact that Wendigos are seen as these bad omens. You know, after, of course, the Mothman case, you had the Silver Bridge incident, uh, whereas with with the Wendigos, especially in northern Minnesota, it's it's more prominent where if you see a Wendigo, it's a death omen. It's not something that you want to see. It's almost you know like the Irish Banshee, where it's this thing that appears before something tragic is about to happen. Has either of you guys or collectively, have you had any bad experiences or near misses or close calls yourself while out looking into this uh, creature? Well, for me, this is a difficult question because I do a lot of supernatural dares around the world where there's often a test of bravery, a rite of passage that's associated with these legends that if you knock on the uh, gravestone three times, a portal to hell will open up and swallow you in. Or if you sit in the devil's chair, you will die. So if anything ever happens to me, 
the problem is I've done so many of these things. Where does the blame go? Mm-hmm. And I know Kevin's too afraid to do any of these things, but I do them. <laughs> I do them quite a bit. But that's not to say that interesting things don't happen to us. We were camping up on an island called uh, Star Island where Lake Windigo is in Minnesota near Bemidji, Paul Bunyan country. And it's a lake on an island in a lake, which makes it an anomaly in itself. And while we were at base camp, uh, my, uh, another colleague of ours, Noah Voss, Noah and I walked out to the middle of the lake at night to try to conjure up the Windigo while Kevin was back at base camp mending the uh, hot tallow we had at the fire. And while we were gone, we were walking and recording it. And Noah paused for a moment and he's saying, our boots are too loud in the snow. No one's going to hear what we're talking about. We need to be very quiet. And as we pause there for a moment, something to our left in the dark thickness of the woods startled us. It sounded like something was coming at us uh, from our left side. We didn't see anything. And eventually we concluded it must have been a big, large bird of prey or um, some animal, a bird of prey or a, a hawk, an eagle. We had no idea. But what we then considered was that it possibly was an owl after watching the video and hearing the, the flying of this creature. Now, owls play a large part in Windigo lore, as some believe it's the Windigo that has shapeshifted into the form of the owl. Others believe the owl is a spy doing the bidding of the Windigo. But what was interesting is when we came back to base camp, Kevin had his own experience while we were gone of hearing somebody on the perimeter of our base camp talking while we were gone. He thought it was us, but we were too far away and the island was completely deserted. Nobody else was camping there. The wind chill was approaching 30 below zero, but yet these voices could be heard at the same time. We thought this weird thing startled us uh, out on our expedition. Kevin, uh, you heard voices outside your tent when it was 30 below. This is starting to get pretty spooky. Yeah, we we intentionally did this in the middle of the winter because that is traditionally when the Wendigo is the most active. While they were away, I was keeping our fire going so that it wouldn't go out. uh, That was pretty much the only thing keeping us alive at that point. And I heard these these voices. It it sounded... like more than one for sure, almost like a conversation going on. And, and at, at first I didn't think anything of it. I thought that maybe, you know, they were coming back up the trail. Uh, but the, the more I paid attention to it, the more I realized it was coming from the exact opposite direction that Noah and Chad had gone towards the lake. And it was these kind of whispery voices that were just, you know, out in the woods that I, I couldn't make out any words or even determine what language it was, but it was, these definite voices. This is reminiscent to me of this whole uh, Dialogue Pass as an incident. If you guys know about that, I mean, this is, you guys are taking some real chances here. When you start hearing about this, the strange, not so good things that happen to some people when they go out looking for this kind of trouble, it finds them sometimes. 
And sometimes even normal trouble. For instance, one of the nights we were camping there, as I said, it was about 30 degrees below zero. And as I was getting into my frozen tent, um, I had made a rookie mistake that day. Even though I was covered in snow gear, my clothing had accumulated some snow on it. And when I sat by the fire, of course, that melts and your clothes become damp. So when I went to my tent, I was given the you know choice of either getting into the sleeping bag with cold, wet clothes, which would then freeze into board-like pants on you, <laughs> or quickly disrobing and putting on new, dry, freezing cold clothes that wouldn't be wet. And I decided to change, so I stripped down to my underwear, and immediately I thought, I could be in danger here. If I don't get these new clothes on very quickly and get into my bag, I'm in serious trouble. We were a four-hour hike over frozen water in the dark just to the nearest land. And, you know, frostbite could have settled in in a few minutes. So it really hit me there that it brought me back to the experiences of the northern people of the old days and how much that the freezing weather really uh, could pose danger to them. Today, you know, you just turn your heat on. It's no big deal. But we quickly forget what life was like when the Windigo was at the height of its fear. That's an interesting thing here, which I'd like to ask, and we'll carry it over to our next segment, which is these legends, these stories. Do we see them more happening years ago or is the pace pretty much the same? Hmm. Kevin and Chad were looking at strange creatures. That doesn't sound right. I'll fix that later in the mix. No, I won't. I'll leave it. More to come with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you want to give you and your loved ones premium nutrition right now? Hi, I'm Jamil Bookaboo from TeamGaday.com and the GCN Longevity Health Team. Get your premium nutrition formulated by world-renowned naturopathic doctor, Dr. Joel Wallach at Wholesale, or also become a distributor and earn income while supporting this broadcast. Go to TeamGaday.com via the shopping cart or contact form, and I'll get back to you with support personally. That's TeamGaday.com with Longevity. TeamGaday.com. We've all seen and perhaps use the alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Have you noticed how it dries your skin, and as soon as the alcohol evaporates, it's no longer effective? GCNTeam.com has alcohol-free antibacterial soap and foam, meeting or exceeding all requirements set forth by the United States Food and Drug Administration. Come to GCNTeam.com keyword antibacterial or call 877-878-4203. USA Radio News with Wendy King. President Trump is urging Minnesota officials to get tougher with protesters. He says by doing that, they would be honoring the memories of George Floyd, the African-American man who died after being pinned to the ground by a white policeman. It's another day of demonstrations in Chicago and other cities. Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti is imposing a curfew. Everybody has to be responsible for owning this moment. Whether you wear a badge or whether you hold a sign, I'm asking all of Los Angeles to take a deep breath and to step back 
for a moment. Federal investigators have some clues about the protesters. Attorney General William Barr. The voices of peaceful protest are being hijacked by violent radical elements. Investigators are pointing to white supremacist organizations and far left-wing extremist groups as being responsible for some of the violence. This is USA Radio News. At the Kennedy Space Center, it was all systems go. Two, one, zero. Ignition. Lift off of the Falcon 9 and Crew Dragon. Go NASA. Go SpaceX. Godspeed. Bottom dog. NASA astronauts Bob Behnken and Doug Hurley have made it safely into orbit in the Crew Dragon. SpaceX is now the first privately owned company to fly humans to the International Space Station. On behalf of the entire launch team, thanks for flying with Falcon 9 today. We hope you enjoyed the ride and wish you a great mission. Thanks, Bala. Congratulations to you and the F-9 team for the first uh, human ride for Falcon 9. Latin America is poised to become the next epicenter of the coronavirus pandemic. Brazil has 465,000 cases confirmed and 28,000 deaths. Meanwhile, in China, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention said they've ruled out the wet market in Wuhan as the place where the outbreak started. You're listening to USA Radio News. Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day. But supplies are limited. Purchase nano-colloidal silver now at immunesupportnow.com. That's immunesupportnow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. So, Kevin or Chad, doesn't matter which one of you answers, do we see more of this stuff happening years ago, or is it still pretty current? I can take that one. So I think that in general with the Wendigo legend, you see more of it in the past just because of its link to starvation. I mean, today it's, you know, you have to be pretty remote or in pretty dire situations to die from starvation these days. You know, we have a lot more safety nets uh, to help people out that they didn't have in the 19th century or the 18th century. That was one of the the features that uh, precipitated a lot of Wendigo incidents. Whereas today they're seen as more of just these kind of sightings. You know, if someone will see something in the woods that is kind of strange, they don't exactly know what it's called. Today it still happens. You just don't quite hear about it as much. And then there's a lot of other cases where it's sort of, you know, attributing the wrong legend to the situation. For example, in 2017, there was a really horrific incident aboard a Greyhound bus in, uh, in Canada on its way outside of Alberta, 
two guys were sitting next to each other on the bus and one of them just went crazy and stabbed hit the, hit the seatmate, the guy next to him to death right on the bus. It was a very gruesome, gruesome killing. And people didn't know why. I mean, it just happened out of the blue. And so they, they trapped the, the murderer on the bus until authorities arrived and they arrested him and took him into custody and found out that he was suffering from some severe mental issues. He, he believed that the guy sitting next to him was an alien. And then if he didn't kill him, his, his life was in danger. But the, the gruesome part was, is, and I'm not going to get into too much detail, but he ended up devouring part of this victim while he was on the bus and, and held in there while they were waiting for authorities to arrive. And so instantly the papers in Edmonton were calling this a case of, of Wendigo psychosis or, or a Wendigo attack because there was cannibalism involved and because it was, you know, kind of a quick onset, you know, the guy just snapped and, and people still kind of refer to that to this day as like a modern Wendigo incident. But Chad and I both agree that it just really doesn't fit the criteria for traditional Wendigo phenomena. You know, so I, I think that it's, it's, it's just an unfortunate case where because cannibalism w- was involved, that it, it was labeled such. That was really <laughs> disturbing for sure. Uh, just going back to before the break there, uh, Chad, when you were talking about getting changed and out of your your wet clothes, I mean, when we're when we're looking back at the Dyatlov Pass incident and some of the cases uh, in the missing nine one one files by David Pilates, you actually see this where people have been had most of their clothing removed in really really cold weather and just found out there for no reason. I mean, if that sort of thing just dawns on you right at that moment, I can't imagine feeling any more vulnerable than that. Is there more, is this creature associated with missing people then? I mean, it sounds like a, an obvious question, but what kind of cases did you find where people just went missing because of it? It's funny you mentioned that because as I was disrobing, that's the immediate thought in my head was, Oh no, they're going to find me with no clothes frozen to death. Kevin and Noah are going to leave me here as an offering for the Wendigo. And they're going to chalk it up as, you know, I went crazy and lost my mind. Yeah. And then David Polites will write about it (laughs) and say how, you know, you guys were found out in the, in the forest. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. So what about missing people though? I mean, this, does this thing kidnap people and, or does it just make them sick or attack people? And I mean, have people just gone and never, come back? I found several accounts in Alberta, Canada, where newspapers were saying that there were so many cases of people killing one another because it it was believed that they were going Wendigo. And oftentimes, if somebody was turning Wendigo or felt like they were being possessed and slowly morphing into the Wendigo, they would be begged to be killed so they wouldn't turn into the Wendigo. They would beg their friends and family to kill them. And a lot of newspaper accounts started speculating that a lot of missing people up in that region of Canada were actually victims of the Wendigo. And they talked about dozens of these people going missing that they believe now, after looking at the evidence, that they were victims of the uh, cannibalistic giant, the Wendigo. But in terms of like kidnapping, 
it didn't have any means for that or any, it wasn't necessary for it. There are several accounts that Kevin dug up in his uh, research of the Wendigo traveling with body parts, almost like a little snack, fast food for the go. But those were always from deceased bodies, never keeping somebody fresh as a captive for food or whatever other sinister purposes. Well, we're really talking about something very physical now when we're talking about these kinds of cases. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, there's this spiritual aspect in, um, among a number of the native cultures with shamans, where there's the, through the use of hallucinogens, they invoke a connection between the experiencer and the spirit world where they encounter such creatures and commune with them. Is there that sort of an aspect to the lore as well? Definitely. Uh, part of the Ojibwe Cree tradition is that, uh, for example, when young men or, or teenage boys become men, they go on sort of a, a spiritual quest or a spiritual journey. They isolate themselves out in the woods and and fast for quite a while. And the whole goal is for them to get in touch with their personal spirit. They call it a, a Pawagan. And they believe that each person has a unique one. And that typically these, these spirits are linked to particular animals, um, but not always. Sometimes they're more mythic in nature. They're uh, linked to things that don't exist in the real world. The Wendigo is one of those things. So, you know, whereas someone might dream of a, a wolf spirit or a turtle spirit, you know, that is sort of their their spiritual guide that'll be with them the rest of their life. Um, some of them have dreams of ice and and the north and cold and find out that the Wendigo spirit is their personal Pawagan. And they believe that the spirits choose them. They don't choose the spirit. So if you do end up with a spirit that is... Uh, a little bit more dangerous, you know, than say a turtle. It's one of those things that you just have to manage the rest of your life. You know, it there could be some upside, but in general, there there may not be. And so, people that that have these dreams of ice and that are linked to the Wendigo spirit are have a high chance of becoming one themselves if they're not careful. Yeah. That could be a real problem if, if uh, you know, if a person took that really, really seriously, and then it came back from one of these experiences, which do profoundly change some people, thinking that their life is now, you know, cursed with this this beast uh, stalking them from the spirit realm or something like that. That could be rough. How how, how do people get rid of them? Well, there's a number of ways if. If you're if you're still in the dream stage, there's various uh, sacrifices that that have traditionally been done to appease it to you know get it to leave you alone. There's also um, you know various prayers and, and ceremonies that are done. But once it it becomes to the point where it's actually inhabiting you, where you feel like you're losing yourself, then things are a little bit more dire. And oftentimes, when people are in that uh, possession stage, they report that their their heart is being frozen and they they talk about this this cold this ice that's forming in their chest or along their backbone and those are some of those early signs that you know that this this process is starting to take place and so what they do to prevent that one of the most popular ones is 
they make the person drink hot tallow, which is a a, a, a hot animal fat, like a melted animal fat. Ooh, boy, I don't really think I want to try that. I'd rather have the exorcism. More to come with Gene and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I help thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com. danpilla.com. Extendivite really works. Here are some reviews from Amazon.com. Amazon customer, 5 out of 5 stars. I'm quite happy about it. This product has relieved what appears to be an angina problem, pain in the chest after climbing stairs, and short on breath. I'm quite happy about it. Dr. Sam Surreal. Good product and ingredients. Kept my blood pressure normal after mild heart attack in 2015. Switched to plant-based diet also to reverse atherosclerosis. John Bispico's. Five out of five stars. Built up my immune system. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendovite.
Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Introducing Reveal from GCNLife.com. Beverly Hills dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman invented Reveal, which contains polypeptides with natural botanicals and no parabens, sulfates, silicones, or dyes for a salon-quality hair growth product, Reveal. Here's Dr. Newman. I have treated a lot of patients who lose their hair and they lose their confidence. We've created a unique set of polypeptides, which we call HPT6. The HPT6 contains the polypeptides from six different plants. The scalp infusion treatment should be used on wet or dry scalp. The Reveal Hair Care System is designed to be used for men and women alike. Get Reveal at GCNLife.com with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So try Reveal today at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Plus a discount up to 25% off for Reveal at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Hi, this is James Fox. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So we have this yucky substance that Kevin and Chad are talking about to help free someone who is being possessed. But what about, I, I raised the subject, so let's hit it. What about a exorcism? Isn't that appropriate for something like this? It can be. If the hot tallow doesn't work, you know, the whole goal of that is is to, to, to melt the heart and, and stop it from being uh, encased in ice. And from a more practical point of view, if you have someone that's starving, fat is basically like rocket fuel for your body. You know, it's, it's packed full of nutrition and it's going to kind of make you snap back if you're on the precipice of, of starving to death. But there are a lot of cases that Chad and I found where more – uh, latter-day cases that aren't necessarily traditional, where people that were in the process of turning Wendigo were, of course, seen by missionaries and white settlers as potentially losing their mind or even possessed by our, the Western concept. But there was a lot of cases where people were shuttled off to uh, to missions and prayed for and and basically believed to have the the demon or the Wendigo spirit, however the, the person's belief system was, uh, removed from them there. But it's also a good chance that, you know, once they were given, uh, you know, food and shelter and things like that, it, it might have also been a, a psychological and nutritional uh, part of it, too, that made them recover. Did I hear you right when you said earlier that when you were out in the winter uh, that you were actually preparing some heated tallow? When you heard those voices? Okay, so was that specifically for that? It it was. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We were in the middle of winter uh, at one of the locations where allegedly the Wendigo legend originates from. They believe that these these creatures, these spirits, originated from beneath the lake uh, at Lake Wendigo. And so, you know, we weren't weren't taking any chances. And also, we, you know, kind of wanted to... be part of this, you know, experience this tradition ourselves. And so we did have some hot tallow uh, melted and, and ready on the fire, you know, should we be attacked or should one of us start, you know, changing. One of the other traditional things too, you know, we each, we had our axes and tomahawks too, because that's one of the other treatments for Wendigo is, is beheading. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> hey, want to go camping? <laughs> yeah. Wow, that that is really amazing. Uh, quite an adventure by the sounds of it. I mean, the deeper you get into this, 
I can just imagine being in having that worldview. Uh, it must have been really quite an experience to do that. And, and how many times do you guys do, do that? Like in every location, you go out and do kind of a little ritual or how do you kind of you try to commune with nature or do you, you you're, you're looking for this, right? You're trying to find it. You're trying to get close to it. OK, yeah, certainly we are. Um just before they shut down the borders in the winter, Kevin and I were up in Canada, in Alberta, in Edmonton, in the heart of Windigo country. That's really where a lot of the cases took place. And we're talking to locals. And one of the places we were researching was a place called Eating Creek. And it was believed that the flesh and blood version of the Wendigo lived there sometime in the 17, 18, even early 1900s and consumed many people that would wander foolishly into the area. And it was funny as Kevin and I were walking around uh, taking photographs, trying to imagine what the place was like 100 years ago. We both noted that we had our hands on our hatchets just in case that... (laughs) It really was, although in your rational mind, you believe that a Wendigo probably isn't going to come out and attack you. But yet there's something Mm -hmm. about these places, the history, the legend, the lore that, you know, you you can't help but to get scared and your body to start uh, acting like it's on a uh, fight or flight response. And it was kind of funny. We both remarked later of how close we kept our hatchets to ours well i mean still though i mean yeah it's it sounds entertaining you know maybe even a little comical on one hand but if you felt that spookiness out in the forest particularly at night it's a real thing i know what it's like and i I don't i don't think that unless you've actually felt that that you can really be so quick to write it off or you shouldn't be so quick to write it off because yeah the forest is a spooky place in general but this is this is a whole other level it's a scent or a sense maybe not as like it's like a seventh sense or a sixth sense or something it's like you know you just know that there's there's something there like you're being watched from a distance or something like that i i don't know like spied on by some supernatural thing that pervades things too. It's like pervasive. Did you guys ever feel that pervasiveness that it's sort of all around you, like, and not just in one place? Yeah. Let me take this Kevin, because uh, I write about this in the book and it, it harkens back to my idea that being there lets you experience it. And for 20 years, I've researched and talked about Swift Runner. I've been on a lot of TV shows talking about his life. I appear in a video game about the Windigo talking about Swift Runner and trying to dig up as much as I could. But it wasn't until 2019 that I was able to actually go there and see the spots where he lived, he loved, he killed and was killed. And I write in the book that while I was standing there with Kevin, I'm just kind of staring off into the woods, trying to put myself into the mindset of his youngest son, the last survivor that was with him after his father killed his mother and all of their siblings. And what that kid must have been thinking, knowing that there's only one person left and that was him and he was next. 
it really had a profound impact on me. And even now, back in the safety of my home state of Wisconsin, on chilly nights, I still get that feeling of something's just not quite right. And, you know, for me, I, I believe that maybe it's evidence that the Wendigo legend continues on and it's eternal, that it will never die. But feel, even if you have zero psychic ability like myself, you can't help but to be overcome with a sense of dread and emotion from being in the spot, knowing the grisly history. I think that Chad is, is spot on, too, because when we're in a lot of these places, because we've researched it, we know that a lot of really bad things have occurred in these places that we go. You know, this this isn't one of those legends where it's just, a, you know, some goofy monster or, you know, or even locally, you know, we've got that Bray Road legend where, you know, yeah, it's a werewolf, but no one's actually died from it. No one's actually been attacked. Whereas with the Wendigo, we have hundreds of reports of people dying hundreds of reports of people that went wendigo you know being killed by wendigo hunters this is all historic fact there's a lot of people that you know for depends on what you believe but definitely people died in these places so it adds a whole different somber tone when you're actually there if i could get this one in real quick there if the, if a lot of people have died are, are we is there any coroner's reports that you guys like with big claw marks and people or i mean how much in of other than just lore and superstition and local legend is it and how much of it you know have you got any of that evidence like if so many people died there must be somebody that's willing to say no this was not normal this was like x-files or something well um unfortunately you know in the 1800s you know we didn't have you know csi crime units and things like that, you know, uh, that could be on the scene to really diagnose a lot of these things. So we have to go with the the eyewitness descriptions for a lot of these. And case after case after case, when a Wendigo has been killed or executed, what they'll do is is part of the, the process of dispatching these things is they, they open up the chest cavity. And again and again, they talk about seeing the heart and sometimes the spine encased in what they call ice. And we, we looked in, I mean, which is just bizarre because this is a person that was previously just walking around, you know, and, you know, we looked in to see if there was maybe uh, like a, if it was an Algonquin or Ojibwe concept where maybe, maybe there's some medical condition that, that they re has a similar concept to ice, you know, that they refer to it as ice, but it's something that we know today but we didn't come across anything like that. So we really have to take these, these eyewitness reports at their word. You know, and like Chad mentioned earlier in the interview, you know, a lot of these things were kind of just blown off as superstition in, in, a, in a lot of Wendigo reports and research that's been done on it. But, you know, we just decided to take them at their word and at face value. And the consistency is, is really peculiar, to say the least. I have a question, which is a difficult question to answer, I think. We'll see. This is what the PowerCast is notorious for, asking these questions. But there you go. We got Kevin and Chad and Gene and Randall. You're in. The PowerCast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. 
We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. If you go to store.theparacast.com, stop by and take a shopping tour. Dehebo Tea Club's original pure Pauliarco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. So it naturally has antifungal, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-infection, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. But maybe more importantly, Dehebo Tea Club's original pure Pauliarco Super Tea builds corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer happens to die in oxygen. The tea is great for healthy people and can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The Hebo Tea Club's original Pure Pau de Arco Super Tea is only $34.95 plus shipping. Order now at ShopSuperTea.com or call 818-984-6100. That's ShopSuperTea.com or call 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. As usual, either Chad or Kevin can answer. All right, so we have that instance where maybe the body of one of these creatures was skinned or two bodies and we were not able to find where they are. And this is true with all these monster cases. We have people who are certainly serious, certainly dedicated to what they're trying to do. But it's the same thing. We can never get that final bit of evidence to nail it down. What do we do about that? Keep in mind, too, Gene, that after a Wendigo was killed, no matter whether you cut off its head, got it with tallow, uh, whatever means you wanted to kill it, there are many, many more. The first thing you would often have to do is burn it and burn it so nothing remained of it and then bury the scattered remains as far apart as you can. Otherwise, the spirit of the Wendigo will simply wade out into the woods and wait for its next victim. So even if there was somebody up there, the establishment, the law, that was interested in these cases, oftentimes the evidence or maybe the lack of evidence was gone through the cremation of the body. And remember, these settlements where a lot of the Wendigo sightings and killings occurred, they were hundreds of miles from any other settlement. The mounted police that went to arrest people for 
killing what they thought was a Wendigo, they went to these tribes who had never seen a white person before. So these were secluded areas with no medical facilities and no law whatsoever. So a lot of the evidence, if it was there, has been lost to history. Yeah, I, I can see that. For our show, we, we tend to talk about UFOs a lot. I got and if, So, of course, I have to ask you guys this question, same question I ask Bigfoot hunters and cryptozoologists, anybody else that might be involved in any aspect of the paranormal. You've been to a lot of places and looked at a lot of different weird kinds of phenomena. Have you noticed any kind of a correlation between these weird places and, and creatures that you're looking into and the prevalence or of UFO experiences or abductions or sightings? I can take that one. So the short answer is, is yes, we tend to see these things in clusters. Is it something that's unique about the land itself? You know, is it, is it one of those window areas that, that John Keel refers to? Things definitely seem to happen in, at least in more, frequent, more frequency, in certain zones. The Wendigo legend in particular, it tends to follow where, where people were encamped more than anything. I mean, because again, this legend spans such a huge area of land that the, the clusters of, of incidents tended to be where people were. I think that's the number one factor, at least in, in Wendigo sightings and, and cases. You know, if there's no one there to see it, no one's going to report it. And this is just, this is wilderness. You know, this is vast, vast amounts of land. Where, where people are clustered or where you're going to see those things. But generally speaking, I think with paranormal and, and Chad and I, you know, we, you know, our last book is the Wendigo, but we look into all sorts of things, all sorts of topics. And over the years, we've kind of arrived at the same conclusion or at least uh, same inclination that a lot of researchers that have been doing this for a long time, that, you know, a lot of this stuff that's incidents of high strangeness, you know, might all have a common source what that is, you know, we don't really know. It's fascinating to to think about, but I'm a firm believer that reality is far, far stranger than what we commonly accept it to be. I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Chad. If you look at the, the case up in War Road, Minnesota, Rozo, that I re- referred to earlier of the Wendigo being spotted by the Native peoples and Jake Nelson, one of the things in Jake's journal, he reported that oftentimes the Wendigo creature would be accompanied by a bright ball of light. And they believed it was a willow of the wisp, the swamp gas, but it would often appear directly with this creature as though it was accompanying it. That wasn't obviously in all the cases throughout Canada and the U.S., but there are a couple cases where a mysterious light was with the creature, whether it was a, an anomaly in itself or something of a larger pattern. And one of the things Kevin and I talk about quite a bit is just how much of this lore has been lost. Even people who were collecting it in the early 1900s, they would run an article about the creature being spotted Without any details, never talking about the size, the color of its skin, did it have a smell, none of the important details that you would think somebody would be interested in. So I firmly believe that we've lost so much of the lore of the Wendigo throughout time. It's really a shame because I can't imagine how much more was there. Well, thanks to you guys, you're bringing it out and making it accessible to people. I think that's actually, well, (laughs) I guess depending on how you look at it, a really good thing. 
because it represents a cultural aspect of, of our world that, and I think it, that it's important that we preserve those kind of cultural uh, beliefs, uh, at least on record. Not necessarily that we hang on to them and, and you know, it, it, seriously hang on to them. Like, okay, I'm not going to get, say, a vaccination anymore because of some religious belief. Like, we don't want to go that way, but we want to definitely go the way of, well, if strange things are happening to people, and they do, and it goes back into their history and their lore, yeah, we need to preserve that. So this is really kind of important. It's not just, so, just another monster story. Exactly. Like, one of the things that, that drew Chad and I to the Wendigo legend in particular is that it's so unique to North America. You know, everyone knows vampire lore, werewolf lore, you know, trolls, fairies, what have you, you know, all, all these things that originated in Europe. But the Wendigo legend is distinctly North American. And as I said earlier, it has its origin with the Ojibwe and the Cree and the Algonquian people. But over time, the, the legend has become kind of creolized uh, as new people would arrive into the land, you know, as, as the French fur traders moved into Northern Canada, and as the Native Americans and First Nation people uh, had contact with Hudson Bay Company, you know, they started getting exposed to legends of the werewolves and, and things from the French. And you had this cultural exchange. And so when that happens, you see the legend of the Wendigo subtly shifting over time as well. In some accounts, it's sounding a little bit more like a werewolf, you know, and there's even some accounts as early as the 1830s where they're saying one of the ways that you kill a Wendigo is with a silver bullet, which, of course, we know is, is werewolf lore. And so you have, you have this back-and-forth cultural exchange, and that's what we find so fascinating, because you, you, can, you can literally see these contact points between the two traditions and the two legends, and then it kind of merging together at certain areas and certain places. I just hope someday we do get to resolve some of this. Now, we've been talking about Wendigos so often here. We haven't gone specifically into ghosts. And obviously, if you're doing all these travels around your neighborhood there, you're getting quite a few stories. Can we segue into some ghost lore? Yes, of course. Certainly. Okay, so we've seen the ghost reality shows where they sit there and suddenly the ghost phenomenon appears. Has that happened with either of you? This is Chad, and for me, the short answer is no. Been to thousands of these places, and sometimes oddities will happen. I've had people that uh, believe they're psychic or intuitive come with me, and they believe they've been pushed or pinched by these spirits. Sometimes you'll catch weird mist or fog on your camera or something that wasn't visible to the naked eye. But for me, the overwhelming majority of times I'm at these places, nothing out of the ordinary happens. You know, so many people that I know that were doing this as long as I've been doing it or even longer that have never had an experience, they burn out on it very quickly. Now, we only have a few segments left on this episode of the Paracast, but we've got lots more with Chad and Kevin because they will be back on this weekend's edition of After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature of the Paracast Plus. For more information on subscribing, point your browser to theparacast.plus. That's theparacast.plus. You're in the Paracast. 
Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. You know what's really smart? Wash your hands frequently, practice social distancing, and stay home if told to do so. You know what's really dumb? To ignore your immune system. Right now, more than ever, your health depends on a strong immune system. The experts at Immunicorp will give you their seven-step guide to immunity for life, free. Why? Because we want you to be smart and healthy. Simply call 800-446-3063 or click immunityforlife.com. Immunocorp has been producing the world's leading immune system products for more than two decades. To get your free seven-step guide to immunity for life, call 800-446-3063. 800-446-3063. Be smart. Don't ignore your immune system. Your life depends on it. Call 800-446-3063 or click immunityforlife.com. Immunityforlife.com. This is how we do every day. We be grinding. And if you want to come and text us, if you love them enough to turn off your music and pretend like their music is your music. Ah, this is mommy's jam. Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're in the right car seat. Let's play it again. Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. Warning. If you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back. Because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $10,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-900-8407. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee, so there's no risk. For free information, call now, 1-800-900-8407. That's 1-800-900-8407. 1-800-900-8407. Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. 
We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Anyway, we're continuing with our guests, and we're going to do a little bit of ghosting here, okay? Let's ghost. Chad (laughs) and Kevin, go ahead. Obviously, ghosts are everywhere, apparently, with haunted places. And out of all the reports I receive from people of UFOs, crop circles, out-of-body experiences, sea serpents, the overwhelming majority of people want to tell me about haunted places or cursed places that they can go and have an experience. And as I mentioned earlier, the best way to decide whether or not you believe a lot of these legends is to not, you know, just read about it and listen to it, but read about it, listen to it, and then go and explore it for yourself. So I'm amazed at how much legend tripping has really become a staple in the United States of people going to these places within a alleged supernatural reputation, hoping that something will happen. Yeah, I guess so. But it doesn't happen all the time. And the thing is, is when you're into this field, you tend to think, well, wow, you know, the world is filled with all manner of paranormal phenomena. Uh, It shouldn't be that hard to get out there and find it. And yet there's this this sort of lack of real serious evidence for people with there's a lot of anecdotal evidence, but across all phenomena, whether it's it's UFOs or hauntings or Bigfoot or Wendigo uh, or Skinwalker or something, it's all connected by this lack of evidence. <laughs> if there is anything to connect it, and yet it seems to also at the same time be perfectly real. So what does that kind of tell us about the phenomena in general? I mean, it to me, it's as if it's playing kind of like a game, like like Christopher O'Brien's trickster phenomena almost on us. I, I think that's right. I think what we're dealing with, whether it's ghosts or UFOs, what have you, I think that it's some, something's going on that is far stranger than what we would com- most people would commonly believe you know whether they have a common origin or not we don't know that but i think that the reason that certain people have these experiences you know and they're you know convinced that that these things were objectively real whereas someone that might have been standing right next to them may not have seen anything you know so how do you, how do you explain that i mean we know that observation and things you know can be flawed we, you know just look at at some court cases and things so is there something about the way that we perceive the world and reality that is more subjective than objective? Uh, one of the the terms that I prefer, uh, it was used by the, the author Patrick Harper in a, a book that I, I highly recommend called uh, Daimonic Reality. It's D-A-I-M-O-N-I-C. He uses the term omnijective, where something can be both real and unreal simultaneously. It's kind of hard for a lot of people to get their head around, but I think that that the reality of how we experience the universe is a very strange thing. And I don't think that that there is thousands and thousands of hoaxers out there or people that aren't telling the truth. I believe a lot of people have very odd experiences, but are they really what they think they are? They might even be even stranger in, in you know than what they think that they're perceiving. 
Well, on your website, which is at Backroad Lore, it says your theories are unconventional. And uh, I like unconventional. So what is your theory? What is, what's your favorite theory about that then? I mean, yes, the world, I have to agree, is weirder than most people with sort of your, uh, in scare quotes, um, normal view of the world. There's a bigger, larger picture out there. And what is that then to you? What what encompasses that? What is it made of? What is it filled with? So my it's this is my personal belief. And again, Chad and I have been doing this, you know, for over 20 years. And we've noticed that amongst a lot of our peers and people that have been doing this a lot longer, they they all start kind of arriving at at similar conclusions that a lot of these things are are far stranger than than what they initially thought when they first started researching them. And you know, you know, some people throw around, you know, words like quantum and, and, uh, you know, various, or, or think that these things can be picked up on, you know, gadgets and things like that. But the longer I do this, the more I think that this is, this is kind of outside of science as far as what we've developed so far. I don't think that we have any gadgets or gear that can detect or capture these experiences because, uh, to, to quote one of my uh, favorite authors, Lon Milo Duquette, he says, uh, he says, it's, it's all in your head. You just have no idea how big your head is. And that's always resonated with me. You know, it's like, what really is reality? You know, how, how interlinked are we with our environment and just our whole perception of reality? You know, like if I look at a chair, you know, I see a chair because I associate chairness with that chair. I know that it's something I can sit in, that it's manufactured, whatnot. If a caveman looked at a, say, a wood chair, he would have no concept of what a chair is. He would just see an odd configuration of firewood. You know, so it's really how we look at things in our world and what our brains are trained to uh, decode them. You know, like how, how, you know, whether it's our traditions or how we grew up and our experiences, you know, we're all kind of trained to decode things in a certain way. And I think we're only getting a slim fraction of what's really out there. You know, we have five senses and that's it. There could be all kinds of other ways of receiving information in this cosmos, but we're limited to five, maybe six. So maybe what we see as some kind of creature, a Wendigo, whatever, or a UFO or any of these things, if we could perceive or have an awareness that would be gained by another 50 or 100 years of experience and scientific discovery, we would have totally different answers to what these mysteries are caused by. Exactly. Okay, that even raises the bigger question here. I guess it's part of the traditional argument about UFOs specifically being spaceships. Maybe they are spaceships. Maybe there is a phenomenon we haven't figured out yet that we'll get a handle on 50 or 100 years from now, just as maybe 100, 200, 300 years ago, we had totally different interpretations as to what these things might be. And certainly in our modern era, with UFOs particularly, calling them spaceships, well, it's part of a culture. So what will the culture teach us about the rest of this stuff? But then again, that creates the question, maybe it's all culture. 
And that's it. And that raises so many other questions. We have two more segments to spend with Kevin Nelson and Chad Lewis exploring ghosts and creatures and other good stuff. A reminder, we're running a sale. And I know if you are a subscriber to Paracast Plus, we don't give you the network commercials. So just put up with this 40% savings and more for a Paracast Plus subscription that gets you the version of this show free of the network ads and the after the Paracast podcast and other goodies. Go to theparacast.plus. That's theparacast.plus for more information with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Visit GCNlive.com today. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. USA Radio News with Wendy King. President Trump is urging Minnesota officials to get tougher with protesters. He says by doing that, they would be honoring the memories of George Floyd, the African-American man who died after being pinned to the ground by a white policeman. It's another day of demonstrations in Chicago and other cities. Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti is imposing a curfew. Everybody has to be responsible for owning this moment. Whether you wear a badge or whether you hold a sign, I'm asking all of Los Angeles to take a deep breath and to step back for a moment. Federal investigators have some clues about the protesters. Attorney General William Barr. The voices of peaceful protest are being hijacked by violent radical elements. Investigators are pointing to white supremacist organizations and far left-wing extremist groups as being responsible for some of the violence. This is USA Radio News. At the Kennedy Space Center, it was all systems go. Two, one, zero. Ignition. Liftoff of the Falcon 9 and Crew Dragon. Go NASA. Go SpaceX. Godspeed. Bottom dog. NASA astronauts Bob Behnken and Doug Hurley have made it safely into orbit in the Crew Dragon. SpaceX is now the first privately owned company to fly humans to the International Space Station. On behalf of the entire launch team, thanks for flying with Falcon 9 today. We hope you enjoyed the ride and wish you a great mission. Thanks, Bala. Congratulations to you and the F-9 team for the first uh, human ride for Falcon 9. Latin America is poised to become the next epicenter of the coronavirus pandemic. 
Brazil has 465,000 cases confirmed and 28,000 deaths. Meanwhile, in China, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention said they've ruled out the wet market in Wuhan as the place where the outbreak started. You're listening to USA Radio News. Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, simulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com. That's N-U-T-R-I Medical.com. Or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. This is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. When we talk about After the Paracast, by the way, that is the show that comes with your subscription to the Paracast Plus. Sometimes it's extended interviews, like we had more time to spend with Kevin D. Randall last week, and this week are two special Monster and ghost hunting guests, Kevin Lee Nelson and Chad Lewis will be back, or they'll be back. They'll be right back for after the Paracast to check out the Paracast. Anyway, guys, so the question raised in our previous segment was about cultural phenomena, and you're looking at monsters, werewolves, and ghosts. Do you think if you were around 100 years from now, any of that would make any sense and maybe we'd be seeing something totally different? I think it really goes back to perception and context. You know, 300 years ago, if you saw a little green man in the woods, you'd call it a leprechaun. Whereas today, if you saw that same green man or had the same similar experience, you might think it's, you know, a Martian. You know, it's it's really the context and, and what we've been taught uh, and how to how to interpret this, these anomalous events, I think, you know, in some of these cases, you know, where it's is it a nuts and bolts craft, you know, versus ultra terrestrials and, and more other things of high strangeness or even in the Bigfoot case, you know, you have the, the big divisions between flesh and blood and spiritual Bigfoot. A lot of these things, I think, are just how we define them. And also, there's nothing that says that they can't be both. You know, like some of these inf- these experiences could be a nuts and bolt craft where there, al- there also could be phenomena that sort of mimics it, but is definitely not nuts and bolts. Same with Bigfoot. Maybe there is some kind of, you know, hominid that, that is existing in a small pocket of the Pacific Northwest or, or the Canadian Rockies. But the idea of one being in Pennsylvania, that's a bit more of a stretch. So it, it might be a similar phenomena with a very, very different cause or source. How can we tell which is which? That's a great question. 
I think that that's one of the hardest things to be able to determine. My first thought would be is, well, how, how strange is it behaving? You know, like you've got those cases where a Bigfoot boards a UFO, you know, that's very strange. But we can only gauge what's truly strange by our own experiences or our assumptions. We really don't know what normal is, you know, out in the cosmos or in different dimensions. But Chad, uh, for you, uh, when you were talking about these creatures have been seen with these glowing orbs, and then Kevin, like you're saying, we've seen Bigfoot being associated with UFOs. If we were to look at the UFO as the common denominator, and we look at the types of powers that these alien creatures seem to have, it seems that they would be capable of conjuring up any of them. For what purpose exactly, I'm not sure. But, I mean, I can imagine, I mean, this this Wendigo almost sounds like, you know, there's something you'd hear about on the X-Files where some alien comes down and it's got some alien virus that infects somebody and and metamorph- causing them to metamorphosize into this Wendigo creature. It's really quite bizarre. And that gets back to human perception. My background's actually in the field of psychology, and I did my master's thesis on belief in the paranormal, uh, whether it relates to human perception or our belief systems. That gets back to, as Kevin alluded to earlier, you can have four people in a car experience something, and they might have complete different descriptions of what appeared to them. So does it then go back to the idea that these things can project different images and not talking like a screen memory where all of a sudden, instead of seeing grays in your bedroom, you see four foot talking squirrels that are thought to be a screen memory implanted. But in terms of can it project or does the mind pick up these things different from different people? And as Gene was talking earlier, that may be something in 50, 100 years, maybe 20 years we solved that question. But right now, it seems like we have zero idea. Well, we do know that even with our own technology, uh, things like EM frequencies can cause people to have paranormal experiences. If you are familiar with the work of Michael Persinger, that sort of thing. We know that EM fields are associated with UFOs. UFOs seem to be a common denominator in a lot of these uh, and a lot of these types of sightings and you know, from hauntings around the world, like I was saying, we tend to ask this question to people, and they always inevitably go in some way, shape, or form, it's always there. Now, if you if you can make the minds of a person experience whatever you want, that would really go a long way toward explaining things like Kevin was saying how a, one person can see one thing, another person sees something completely different. If we have this common denominator that is an objective reality that is able to manipulate our minds or project things or has anti-gravity, all of these things are possible. Every single phenomenon we can think of can be explained by some sort of alien manipulation. In our our previous book, um, before the Wendigo book, Chad and I both wrote a book called uh, The Big Muddy Monster, which is about a white Bigfoot case down in Southern Illinois, an area that they call Little Egypt. And we, we discussed this exact topic in that book because it's, it's one of those strange areas of the country where a lot of things cluster together. And one of the local researchers that lives down there, uh, his name's Jim Jong, he's, he's passed now, but he wrote a book called Weird Egypt. And in that book, he, 
explored, like what what is it about this area that is making people have so many experiences? You know, like uh, ghost lights, uh, Bigfoot sightings, UFOs, you you name it. And what he was finding is that because Little Egypt is so close to uh, the, the fault lines down there. I mean, the whole, the whole ground down there is fractured like an, like a shattered eggshell. And he, he had a hypothesis that, that maybe a lot of these sightings of a whole spectrum of phenomena, ghosts, whatever might be happening along these fault lines in the ground, because these are where electromagnetic bursts are occurring because the ground is under a tremendous pressure. And occasionally it, it releases this energy. And so he started mapping out where various sightings of UFOs were or, or like known haunted houses, things like that. And he started creating what he called anomaly corridors. And he was focusing uh, primarily on Carbondale, Illinois, which is where he lived. And then he took that map and overlaid it with uh, known maps of where fault lines exist to the area. And they lined up almost exact. And wow. so, yeah, it was, it's such a fascinating, uh, subject, you know, like, but the problem is, is, is it the energy that is making us hallucinate or is it the energy that is actually making us see something that's there that we can't normally see, you know, this kind of real or unreal, you know, hallucination versus new ability, so to speak. I'm fascinated by the fact that so many of these things overlap, that when you are at a place, maybe talking to a witness, for instance, the last time I was at Loch Ness in Scotland trying to get Nessie reports, I ended up receiving more people seeing UFOs than the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> and you find that quite a bit when you don't specialize in one field only. If you're open to it all, you may be talking to someone about a haunted story and they say, well, this might not be related, but have you heard about the creature that's reported at the farm as well? So a lot of these things seem to blend, like these areas are portals or paranormal beacons that somehow attracts or projects all these different phenomena across the whole spectrum. Well, maybe we're making some progress after all, because it sounds like you just put in a very, it, it, you explained it, you put in a general explanation there. Then we have to kind of ask ourselves, guys, like, okay, well, what is it that's doing the projecting then? What is it that's causing it? We have some things to project. And then we'll project one more segment. And remember, by the way, that Kevin and Chad will be here for after the Paracast, too, this week. More to come with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. 
It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Houseflies defecate every four to five minutes, spreading diseases and germs. Protect your food and your health with Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic, no batteries required, only $39.95. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Fire your fly swatter. Get your Bug Assault today. There's so much hand sanitizer on the market, but beware, not all hand sanitizers are created equal. That's why you want to use 2020 Safe Hand Sanitizer. You can trust the hand sanitizer on 2020safe.net to be made with the highest quality ingredients, American-made, with American ingredients, employing Americans. Log on now to 2020safe.net and order your one liter today. Normally $29.99, but reduced to $19.99, so hurry while supplies last and receive a bonus. That's right. You'll receive a 30-count bottle of Immune Booster, a $39.95 value, free, by using code GCN at checkout. Right now, click 2020safe.net. That's 2020safe.net to get our one-liter bottle of high-quality hand sanitizer with your free bonus. A 30-count bottle of Immune Booster, valued at $39.95. Remember to enter GCN at checkout. And the bonus is yours, free, 2020safe.net. In today's world, violent crime can victimize anyone, anytime. When violent crime confronts you, will you be able to protect yourself and your loved ones? For personal protection training, there's none better than FrontSight, the world's premier firearms training facility near Las Vegas, Nevada. Learn firearm skills from FrontSight's world-class instructors, led by FrontSight's founder and director, Dr. Ignatius Piazza. Whether you're in law enforcement, the military, or a private citizen, after your first firearm training course at FrontSight, you'll leave with skills that surpass 99% of the gun-owning population, guaranteed. And now, you and your family can train at FrontSight free of charge. Yes, free. Go now to frontsite.com slash radio to secure a $2,000 four-day defensive handgun course. Absolutely free with no catch. Enter F-R-O-N-T-S-I-G-H-T dot com slash radio. Act now before these free courses are all taken. Secure your free four-day course at frontsite.com slash radio. Frontsite, America's gun training destination. Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. This is getting more and more interesting, and we're going to continue this discussion on After the Paracast with our guests. 
Chad and Kevin, and that is these strange things that go on and our perception of them and where they might go. What about collective unconscious, guys? Well, I think it's a it's a definite possibility. You know, people talk about the anima mundi, you know, this whole world soul concept. Like how how are we as humans all linked or not even just humans, you know, like just life on earth or life in the cosmos, you know, are we basically just ripples in the same ocean? You know, I don't want to get get too new agey here or too out there on on philosophy, but if you look at the universe as one thing, you know, maybe those divisions between things are very arbitrary that are, they're just ways of distinction for our brains to make sense of the environment around us as a, as a survival technique, well, probably more than anything, you know, just so that we don't go mad. But like, what if all the divisions between everything really are just kind of, you know, suggestions, you know, they're just kind of their, our way of interpreting reality, whereas in, in reality, mind, consciousness, matter, could be intertwined and all interconnected. We really don't know. I mean, if you, it's interesting how a lot of research that's being done now is starting to mimic or be very analogous to what shamans and magicians have been seeing. In what way? For instance, things being interconnected in a way like quantum entanglement. That's what we'd call it today. But if you were 600 years ago, they would call it contagious magic. You know, how something can affect something at a distance, you know, even though it's not technically having any kind of uh, cause and effect relationship going on. You know, just the fact that that this, or they call it the doctrine of signatures, like if you have a leaf that has five petals or five uh, parts to the leaf, that that's somehow analogous to a person's hand. That five is that linkageness or that that sort of visual similarity. And so they might use that leaf, you know, for curing or cursing or whatever, because it symbolizes the, uh, the hand of someone else. Right. That's come up throughout history. So you'll have something red in that that would be sort of good for your blood, like beets are good for your blood sort of thing. But and that is all so totally fascinating. But then Chad, do you kind of balance Kevin a little bit when he gets you know, way off on, say, that left side there with, but hey, we've also got footprints. We've also got people who see this thing with their eyes and we understand optics and how our eyes work. And most of the time when we see something, it's because it's really there. What I love about our discussions and research is it goes back and forth and neither of us are diehards in theory where we won't budge. I think after all this time, a lot of it, at least for me, I'm left with more questions than answers. So I'm always looking for a new perspective to explain some of these things. It was a similar way. About a decade ago, I was lucky enough to strike up a friendship with uh, Jerome Clark. And I remember many years ago sitting in a hotel room with Jerry in his hometown in Minnesota. I was lecturing there and we were having a, a few uh, cocktails and Jerry was just coming to his experience anomaly theory. And I remember being very fascinated with his thought at that time that these things happen, but they don't happen. They're there. Uh, they're not there. And that's always intrigued me. And I think one of the foundations that both Kevin and I subscribe to is the fact that we certainly don't have all the answers or if any of the answers. 
And we're always open and approach these cases or legends or lore. We're trying to sort fact from fiction, but allowing us to go wherever the evidence or lack of it brings us forward. We're not stuck in our preconceived idea that it has to be a flesh and blood creature or that it's something ultra terrestrial. So I think that's what really benefits our work in quite a different uh, area than a lot of other researchers. So you guys would say you're fairly like-minded then and able to do some really friendly point, counterpoint, talk about it without going, hey, you know, getting all heated about it like some people do. No, it can't be this way. It's got to be that way. Not only that, but also our interests are so broad that one of the best things of this partnership of working with Kevin is that all of a sudden I'll get a text from him saying, oh, I just was reading and I found out that uh, hobo lore or I'll text him and say, you know, lumberjacks used to put their boots, uh, hang them from a tree when someone died. So it would mark their grave and just all this back and forth of weirdness not necessarily the strict paranormal of UFOs, ghosts, and cryptids. You know, it could be anything, as I mentioned, from hobo lore to circus, carnival, folklore, all this stuff. Because for me, when you're dealing with the weird, what is too weird? Where do you draw that line? A lot of times people tell me stories that at first glance, they might seem to be very, very weird and too weird to believe. But if I would have cut that off, I think I would have missed a lot of folklore and legend. I would definitely back that up. I, th I think what makes Chad and I really great partners and, and co-authors is we're both fairly level-headed people. You know, we consider ourselves open-minded skeptics. You know, we're not hardcore believers. The other side of that, too, is we're not just like one-topic people. You know, we meet a lot of people in the field that are, they know everything inside and out about a topic, or Bigfoot's their thing, or UFOs are their thing. Chad and I, if I had to say it, I would say that mystery and wonder is our thing. You know, when we first started this, you know, when we were younger, we, we thought, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll try to prove things and try to find some evidence. You know, we were really focused on evidence. As time moved on, we really started tr changing the criteria of what we we're looking for. And, and now, instead of looking for evidence, we're more looking for experience and a sense of awe and wonder. Some of the places that we go to, it's like you can't help but just be impressed or affected just by the atmosphere of being there, knowing the history of knowing what took place there, that sort of thing. There's a couple of places where people can find your content. Chad is at chadlewisresearch.com. You and Chad are at www.backroadslore.com. I got to say, both of your websites are really well laid out. They're easy to navigate. Good, clean designs with a variety of books that cover your adventures across several states. The photographic artwork for your two guys' bio page is really good, too. That is real artwork there. Who works with you guys on this? I just have to ask. It takes well, a lot of work to make Kevin look as cool as me, so I pride <laughs> myself in that. I'm a natural. I mean, I just point and click, and it looks like it's been done uh, Hollywood. But, Kevin, it takes a little more work on. <laughs> What I like about you guys is the fact that you know. you're so modest. <laughs> <laughs> it looks really good, whoever's doing that. It's got to give that, you know, like a plug to your person who does your photographic artwork there. It's good stuff. Tell our listeners where they can find more of the stuff that you do. Go for it, Chad. Obviously, you can find us on our websites, but the best way to find out more information is to find the weirdest legend you ever heard of. Go out there, and most likely, that's where we'll be. 
Well, that makes it easier to locate you guys. Look for really, really wacky stuff. We're kind of wacky too, but the places you find us are simple. You find us on Twitter. I know there's a big debate about Twitter right now, but we're not involved. We just post announcements about the shows. There are debates about Facebook. We just post announcements about the shows and have a little chatter. Most of the chatter is in our forums. We also have branded merchandise, stuff with different kinds of Paracast logos. If you're interested in checking out our selection, which includes shirts in any conceivable size for any normal person, from small to uber-large, Go to the Paracast.shop. That's the Paracast.shop to visit the official Paracast shop. And we've got, of course, the After the Paracast podcast, that special extra show for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. Go to the Paracast.plus for more information. We give you an enhanced version of this show free, free of the network ads. And we also have extended interviews on After the Paracast, plus color commentary, and you never know what's going to happen. So this week we've got our two guests. We've kind of convinced them to come back to join us, Chad Lewis and Kevin Lee Nelson. Tell us more about their studies, the weird things. And we're not going to ask whether Kevin's beard can be compared to... Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top. No beard stuff here, guys. Thank you both for joining us on the Paracast. It was a pleasure to be here. Keep an eye out, guys. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast.